0: All right. Um, hey, before we send kids out, hold on, Mr. Jarvis, before we send kids out, I totally forgot to ask the vows for baptism. So are Dan and Jess still in this room? Okay. So I totally forgot this. And then I was remembering as, as Kevin was just like, can the members stand? I'm like, oh no, we totally forgot that. So Dan and Jess, from your seats, Do you acknowledge your child's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Yes. (laughs) Do you claim God's covenant promises on her behalf, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for her salvation as you do for your own? And lastly, do you now unreservedly dedicate your child a few minutes ago and promise... In humble reliance upon divine grace, that you will endeavor to set before her a godly example, that you will pray with and for her, that you will teach her the doctrines of our holy religion, and that you will strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. All right. Now, if you are a member of West End Presbyterian Church, stand up. I have a vow to ask you as well. Do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting these parents in the Christian nurture of Emmy? All right, you may be seated. Okay. Now children are dismissed to go to children's worship. Um, You didn't know you would be getting some calisthenics this morning. Okay. Are the kids out? Because this text is R rated. I'm not I'm I'm well, I'm joking, it's not rated by the Motion Picture of Association of America, but it is a major downer. And you are about to hear some stuff in this text that is gonna make you really, really, really uncomfortable. Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) Um, that's just, that's the way it works. When you hold to, uh, we elevate scripture is that we are going to sit underneath it. This is where it fell. Numbers 25 is on this, the high holy day of Mother's Day. Um, but, uh, it is a major downer. The way most people divide the book of Numbers and it's called Numbers because there are two big censuses taken. Um, there's one at the beginning of the book, and there's one in the next chapter, Numbers 26. So what that means is that what we're about to read is the very end of the first section of the book of Numbers. And the whole book of Numbers is about the people of God leaving from Egypt, going to the promised land. All right? Moses wrote this book to the people of God, to the second generation, to say, we are about to take the promised land. Remember these things. Okay, that's what the whole book of Numbers is about. If you've been here for the past couple of weeks, you know we've studied the story of Balaam and, and uh, ba- Balak, the king of Moab, who asked Balaam, who's essentially like a wizard, and they asked Balaam to come and like cur- rain curses down on Israel but Balaam can't do it because he listens to the word of God and he actually blesses the people of God. He blesses Israel in what he's doing. He he does the opposite of what Balak wanted him to do. Um, So that's what we just heard. And in fact, the last chapter ended on a high note. It ended with Balaam giving great blessings to Israel. It was, was, it's glorious, it's great. Um, And you would think that Israel would then respond with great thanksgiving, like we just heard this, and it 's great it 's wonderful. Um, they do the opposite, and what we 're about to get to is uh, is the opposite of praising God uh, what the first this is the last story of the first generation uh, this is the death of the old and a birth of the new, and its emphasis on the death of, Um, one guy wrote, this chapter spells out that Israel's sins, just like God's mercies, seem new every morning. So we get to this chapter, things were great, and then things come crashing, crashing down. Um, So I'm going to read this, and the way I'm going to do it this morning, I've tried to figure out the best way to do this, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, we're going to spend actually the majority of our time reading the scripture, and I'm going to read it and uh, give some commentary as we read it. So we'll read a few verse, a verse or two, and then I'll give some commentary. And that might actually be what we spend most of the time on. And then at the end, um, I have five points that I think we should hear out of this chapter. All right. So let's read it. Uh, this is the word of God coming from Numbers 25, starting in verse 1. While Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to the sacrifices of of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. In just... Three verses, we heard what we should not do. Uh, They yoked themselves to another God. They just saw the great God doing great things, and then they just said, you know what, never mind, I'm going to go and yoke myself to another God. This word yoke is actually only used here once in uh, the uh, Old Testament. And it has a magical, um, a religious, and a sexual connotation. Um, that's what this means. So that gets fleshed out more in this chapter. Uh, the religious, supernatural, and the sexual um, Right away, we get right outside the gate. We see what the people are doing. Um, And when it says the people, it's not saying a few people. It's saying all the people. This was not a naughty few. This was everybody. The people. Um, So the situation is bad. So what does God do about this? If you hear nothing else, maybe you should hear this at this point. When things are bad, God has an answer. God never leaves us alone. God has an answer. So here's God's answer. And get ready. You are about to get really uncomfortable. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs of the people And hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. Moses, go exact capital punishment on the leaders of Israel. This was not a few, this was everybody. And those in charge were to bear the covenantal responsibility of the people's sin. Um, If you were one of these guys up here just a few minutes ago, you should feel really uncomfortable right now. You bear covenantal responsibility upon the sin of the people. Leading people to repentance. That's what Kevin just prayed and and, uh, exhorted you, leaders of the church, to do. God said to Moses, exact capital punishment upon the people, or upon the leaders of the congregation of the people. In the sun, this is a public nature, fierce anger. This is God's wrath turned against sinful, rebellious idolatry. Are you uncomfortable yet? Okay. Well, you're about to get even more uncomfortable. So what does Moses do? Moses heard that from God. So what does he do? Verse 5, Moses said to the judges of Israel, and listen carefully, this is what Moses says. Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. God said, Moses, exact capital punishment upon the leaders. And Moses said, "Uh, I don't like that. So... Why don't you just go ahead and just take out the people that are really doing the worst sins? The the big public sinners, the big sinners, you just go take care of them. They're the real problem, not the leaders. And, you know, there might be some innocent few. And it was everybody was sinning. And Moses didn't like God's word. And so he changed it. If you're not a church person, you've heard of Moses. I know you have. Uh, Moses is in our culture, and you hear about him. He failed. He failed at this point. He had a leadership responsibility, and he failed. All right. So, and uh, we read uh, in a few verses later in verse 8 that there's a plague that happens. Uh, there's a plague that takes out a lot of people. It was probably around this point. God declared what needed to happen. Moses failed and a plague came and started killing people. People started dropping. Ugh, this is terrible. This is not good. All right, it gets worse. So uh, this is what happened. Why do you think Moses didn't act? Probably because he didn't like it. Um, But also... They didn't do even what Moses wanted them to do. If you are a biblical scholar, you've read the really difficult, boring passages of the Bible. I can say they're boring passages in the Bible. There are. There are some passages that are boring. And the boring is the parts that are redundant. They seem redundant. God said, um, build 14 rafts. He never said that, but I'm just making something up. God said, do this and numbers and colors and all these things. And then a whole other chapter saying the people of God did exactly that. And it seems boring if you've ever reading it. You're like, well, I just read that. That's what come on. But the reason why it's in the Bible is because what, what God wants us to hear is that when God speaks, we should do what he says. You with me? When God speaks, we should do what he says. It never happens in here. In fact, we read in just a, another verse. Well, I'm, I'm about to read it. They do do something, but they don't do what Moses wanted them to do, which wasn't even what God wanted them to do. You with me? Things are just not going well. Um, and so we're about to, about to see uh, the scene shifts in the next verse. And we're about to see what happens when you have a law that you don't enforce. So this is verse 6. Behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel while they were weeping in the entrance of the tent of meeting. So first I want you to see... God said something. Moses said something completely different. And then the next verse, we don't see that they did it. All we see is that they're standing outside weeping, right? The people of God are like, I I don't like, we've been caught in our sin. We don't like what's happening. So I'm just really sad. Paul calls this worldly sorrow. Like when we're not really that sad about what we did, we're just sad we got caught. This happens in my family all the time, all the time. Uh, we have numerous sins in our family. When I'm talking about my family, I'm talking about my six immediate family. Um, I am one of those sinners. And some of us are really good. Our main sin is just irritating others. It's like we're really good at that. Just, just needling others. And then other people are more boisterous in their sin. Other people are just, are just more like, I I don't, I'm not gonna, play around with this passive aggressiveness stuff. I'm just going to be really aggressive. Um, We had a situation like that recently. I won't go into all the details, but a child of mine was just being super annoying and another child of mine decided to exact some type of discipline upon that other child um, just to prove I want you to stop being annoying. Um, Now, I don't advocate that in any way. You shouldn't just exact your own discipline, uh, child of mine. But it kind of worked. <laughs> because the annoying child was like, oh, whoa, I need to stop being annoying because this really hurt. Um, not a good idea. Don't do it. Children of mine, don't do that. But there's something about a law when there's a law that's not enforced. It's not really a law. Um, this guy, Zimri, we find out in a few verses, that's his name. And this Midianite woman, Cosby, um, they uh, knew that this law wasn't enforced. I can go do whatever I want to do. What are you going to do about it? I'm just going to go ahead and walk into this tent. And I'm going to do, in the sight of the congregation, I'm going to go into the tent of my family in front of everybody. Brazen, bold. I don't care what you have to say. I don't care what's happening over here. I'm going to do my own thing. And what they are doing is idolatrous. It is adulterous. It is illicit. It is all the technicolor sins wrapped up into one. What they're doing is horrible, brazen, bold sin. So if you're uncomfortable, it's going to get even more uncomfortable. Because this is when it gets graphic. Verse 7. When Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman, through her belly... Thus, the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000. So what we just saw was Phineas, the son of the high priest, stand up, see this brazen sin, and he did something about it. Uh, And he did something very graphic and R-rated. Happy Mother's Day! Uh, what, what he did, um, should offend you. I, I don't know if, I don't know if I would say should, actually. What he did probably offends you. It, it offends me. It, it at first reading, I read that and I'm like, uh, I don't like this passage. Can we move on to something else? Um, so, let me continue. And then, uh, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. Don't worry. Let me continue. Verse 10. And the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous, for my jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. Okay. All right. Jojo, Jojo, jo. I can go with you in that terrible things were happening. Everyone was doing terrible things. I can go with you kind of like the life of the judges. There are bad things and there's bad leadership. Moses failed in his leadership. I can even go with you that Phineas, you know, just kind of did something pretty bad, but he did it on good reasons. But I am out if you're telling me that God approved of what Phineas did. Um, what I just said is a summary of what happened at a dinner table in my house when we were talking about this story, I, because... I was thinking about this story for a while and I just was talking about it and people were upset. Whoa, 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 God liked that. God liked that Phineas grabbed a spear and rammed it through a guy and a girl as they were doing something else. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine. So let me just say, I have three things I would say about that very quickly. Three things I would say about that. One is, Phineas is not a vigilante at this point. He's not Charles Bronson. He's not going out on his own. That's an 80s reference. Phineas uh, is a leader in the Levitical priesthood. Phineas is the son of the high priest. Eleazar, his father, is the high priest who himself is the son of Aaron. Aaron, the brother of Moses. Phineas is acting within his job responsibility at this point. He is upholding the sanctity, the holiness of the people of God. Now, Eleazar himself couldn't do that because high priests can't be around dead people, and there was about to be two of them. And so Phineas took it in his job description to go do that. All right, so that's one thing I would say. Probably doesn't satisfy most of you, but that's one thing. He wasn't a vigilante. Second thing I would say is that there is a world of difference between the life in the ancient Near East under Mosaic law and our modern life. And I'm not just talking historical, I'm talking biblical. Jesus himself said he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law. He didn't just get rid of it, he fulfilled it. When we see stories like this, we need to see what God intends us to see. Vigilantism is out. Justice justice for the wrath and the purity of the gospel We need to see that Jesus is the fulfillment of this wrath, and we're going to see that in just a second. And then the last thing I would say is that it probably does scandalize you because of where we sit. You and I, um, uh, we don't like the justice of God. We we don't. We don't. I mean, I I don't. I don't like the justice of God. I don't like being submitted under the authority of anyone else. I'm a good American. I am for myself. I am my own king. I don't care what anyone else is going to say. I'm going to do my own thing. We don't like justice. We want to talk about God as love. We want to talk about God as just, you know, he's just a caring grandfather. Just really nice. That's what we want to talk about. Um, I would tell you this. We should be offended, not just by the justice of God, we should be offended by the forgiveness of God too. We should be offended by many things in the Bible. Because if you're never offended by anything in the Bible, you're not reading the Bible right. If everything in the Bible fits in your own worldview, guess what? You are your own world king. If you want the Bible to fit in exactly rightly with what you want, then you're no longer being you're no longer submitting to what God has to say. God told Moses something and Moses just ignored it. We're doing the same thing. God's telling us something and we just want to ignore it. The justice of God is a real thing. But we usually don't want to talk about it. Um, God's Uh, Yeah, the thing about Phineas' zeal, Phineas has zeal for the Lord. Uh, The last thing I'll say about this justice aspect is that uh, love demands anger against things that are against that love. Do you hear me? Love demands anger against things that are against that love. Uh, Mothers... If someone is about to do something against your child, you, to love your child, should get angry about whatever's about to happen to that child, right? Love demands anger against that which is against that love. Hatred is indifference. Hatred is just, I'm being indifferent. You know what? You just do whatever you want to do. You just do whatever you want to do. God is love. No, Hate is indifferent. God is love, so he demands to be angry against that which is against his love. Um, and the second point I'll, I'll say about this, yeah, there you go. Uh, Deuteronomy thirty-two, thirty-five. God takes justice, um, vengeance is mine. Uh, Paul writes this in Romans 12, we should never avenge ourselves but leave room for the wrath of of God, And this comes from the man himself who said he was zealous for the persecution of the church. Paul knew what zealous outside of love looks like. All right, I'm, I'm skipping ahead. Um, verse 12, right? That's the next part. I think that's the next verse. Verse 12. Yeah, therefore say, this is Moses, or God speaking to Moses, therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. And if you that word peace is shalom, you've heard that before, maybe. The covenant of Shalom, the covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. Phineas was jealous for his God and made atonement for his people. Uh, Jealousy sounds bad sometimes, but in fact, jealousy is good within the confines of love. I am jealous for my wife's affections. She should be jealous for my affections. And it is within love that that is right. God said, have no other gods before me. And what were the people of God doing? The opposite of that, having every other god before him. He was jealous for them. Phineas was jealous for the name and the glory of God. Um, all right, so in all of that, I'm going to say this. I want, I want you to hear these five points. This is, what, this is what I want you to hear. Number one, sin is never a private thing. Sin is on the inside. We are never far from a great fall. I had a man once tell me years ago that we are one, maybe two, decisions away from a cataclysmic failure in life. Every human being is one, maybe two decisions away from doing something that would destroy your life. Think about that for a second. Think about that. Sin is not a private thing. It affects all of us. It affects everyone directly and indirectly. Sin is what prompted Phineas to action. The the sin that prompted Phineas to action was not adultery, not intermarriage, not even the brazen boldness rebellion of the guy and girl. His, the, the sin that prompted Phineas to action was the abandonment of the true and living God, the glory of God's name. This chapter is a reminder of that. So I'll just say this. Maybe your repentance is too shallow. Maybe, maybe you and I just are repenting a little bit. I repent of the sins that I've been caught in, or I repent of just not being nice, or I repent of being mean to that guy or saying the wrong thing. Maybe it's too shallow. So we should think, maybe, uh, maybe we should repent of our regular rebellious idolatry. You and I do it. So related to that is the second point. Discipline is a good thing. Discipline pursued out of a passionate zeal for God's honor is vital to the spiritual health of the community. This is about the people of God taking sin seriously. Me and uh, a friend of mine, Davidson, just yesterday uh, did a little bike ride, and I usually ride my bike by myself. And so when I ride my bike by myself, I just do my own thing. I don't uh, you know, I'm praying or I'm thinking or listening to podcasts, whatever I'm doing. And I'm riding by myself. But I was reminded yesterday what it's like to ride in a group of people. And there's like a a, a, a pack of bikers and it's like a big supported ride. So there's a lot of people and we're riding together. And I had forgotten. And it take, takes a few bit, uh, bits to like remember what it's like to ride with a lot of people. Um, you have to obviously watch out for them. But there's also like this whole etiquette thing about riding with bikes uh in the road. Like you yell out things: gravel, car up, car back, uh turning right, turning left, go and start you know, you're just constantly yelling. And it like starts up there when the car's coming, the guy in the front, car up, and then everyone behind them, car up, car up, to like tell warn the people behind you. That's that's just what you do. And it's it's weird if you're not used to it. Um, but then you just get into it. A couple times it was a it was a ride where you take many different turns down different roads, and there were a couple times where guys w- or guys or girls would go in the wrong direction. And um, discipline at that moment is the whole pack yelling, "We're turning right." That's discipline. It is loving to say, "We're turning right." It is not loving to say, good luck. <laughs> that would not be love. Discipline is a community saying, turn right. Turn left. Discipline is good. We don't like it, but it works. Number three, we are a hot mess on our own. Um, we don't like this story. We don't understand the story. Probably because we don't grasp how sinful we truly are the people of God The people of God had 40 years to get things right and guess what they got it wrong You and I don't need time to be more and more holy. We need the redemption of God You and I don't need time to make us better. We need Jesus Christ You and I are a hot mess we need Jesus. The wages of sin is death. That was literally true for Zimri and Cosby. That was literally true for those 24,000 that died. That is literally true for every human being who sins. The wages of sin is death. And this story rubs up right against that. We are sinners in need of mercy. We are a hot mess. But that leads me to the fourth point. God never abandons his people. This chapter is a big downer because it's about sin. But don't lose sight of the promise of shalom, the promise of peace, that promise of peace and that promise of forgiveness. There are some in this room who have been caught in big sins. And if that's true, praise God for that. Praise God that when you've been caught in Turning left when you should have been turning right. Praise God that you were caught. And I pray that your repentance led you to turning right or whatever that turn might be. If you are living in sin, repent of it. Call it out. I pray even some of you are caught in your sins, even against your own will. I pray the same for myself. Ooh, I can't believe I just said that out loud. Caught in our sins so that we can then turn to the forgiveness that is offered in Jesus. Which leads me to the fifth and final point, and this is, uh, if you you forget everything else from this passage, I want you to hear this. I don't want you to miss this main point. When we see Phineas slay a man, and we see God spare Israel because of that atonement, that atonement, That is judgment that has been brought upon a brazen sinner. That is just judgment. And Israel was spared. We are seeing a picture of how God works in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. We're about to read in just a few seconds, few minutes, we're going to do the Lord's Supper. And in the verse, the word of encouragement, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is zealous for you. Jesus is zealous for you. Jesus is zealous for you. He offers his perfect atonement because he is zealous for you. Jesus himself was pierced and killed on behalf of his people, not because of anything he had done, but because of his love for us. Jesus is zealous for you. Don't ever lose sight of that, that Jesus is zealous for you. He offers forgiveness to the little sinners and the big sinners. This chapter's a downer, but Jesus, Jesus is zealous in forgiving his people. I hope you hear that this morning. As we come to the table, we are given another opportunity to remember.